There's something to say for the person that had that chance to live at home for another year. They had a caregiver at home, and then they they participated in social programs. By the time they're in, in the nursing home, they're already comfortable with caregivers. They're comfortable with you know recreation being the center of the day. Um, you know they, they could bring that positive, not just like uh, I'm sorry I can't be part of the world anymore. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Now we are live. So, for those who are watching this on LinkedIn or Facebook or even YouTube, um, thank you for joining us today for another live broadcast of the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to listen to and follow to really learn what is going on in this mysterious world called the nursing home space. And as you know, we don't just focus on the nursing home space. We also focus on some of the other uh, settings where seniors find themselves, whether it's assisted livings, whether it's adult day centers, whether it's other service providers that interact with the nursing home space. The goal is, as many of you know, I was not able to find a good place to go online to find this information in a way that is, I guess, plain speak you know, simple terms, just explaining it in ways that people can understand. And that's why we created the show. And I am humbled by the number of people that are finding this uh, meaningful and useful. And that is kind of what's pushing us to keep on doing this. So today, um, we're going to focus back on the adult day center. We spoke about, we had someone from another adult day center um, on an earlier episode. That's called Life. Um and today we're going to meet Israel Lavrinov. Israel Lavrinov is the owner and director of Oasis Day Center, if I said that right, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, Israel is a phenomenal person that I was introduced to by our mutual friend, uh, Brian Wallace, and really is at a very early stage in the game, has really accomplished so much. So let's jump straight into this, Israel, if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit how you got into this space and what got you interested in senior care to begin with. So I actually start, when I started working, I started doing real estate development and construction, working together with my father. Um, that went really well. I got a great handle on how to you know, run a huge team, a lot of logistics and every crazy emergency that can happen. Really got very good at solving problems. I had a friend that was looking at opening up a social adult daycare for seniors. And I have never heard of it before at that point. And I started doing my research and I found that it is a very large, there are a lot of people that can benefit tremendously from social daycare and it's not available. You know, there are little daycares and there are some bigger ones. Um, mm -hmm. Social daycare is not as well represented as many other medical, other medical. Hold on. Even, even yeah. before we go too far here, 
Um, let's give some definitions here. What is a social adult day center? Okay, so social adult daycare is an in-person facility that we that people come to during the day. Um, we provide transportation, and then we have it's about a four-hour program, four-hour plus program, where we provide meals, um, mental and physical activities, and everything is done in a social way where people can connect with each other. And okay, yeah. Uh, so basically, let's see the way to say this. Uh, people look at sometimes, you know, um, in the nursing home space, there's, you're providing, uh, just give me an example from my world here, but you're providing care, you're keeping them alive, keeping them healthy, you're, do, you're doing everything preventative um, and proactive medication, uh, treatment, the therapy that they need to do. And then there's a small portion of the day, which we call activities. And the, the typical nursing home is throwing a beach ball around the dining room, playing bingo watching oldies and doing all sorts of things like that, which sometimes that's appropriate depending on uh, the mental status of the residents. But something I would tell my staff all the time is that everyone else, in, in, in some ways, uh, I'm just going off over here on a limb for a second, uh, but I just wanted to frame this properly. In the nursing home world, there are many skilled providers in every nursing home. And they each have a variance of the degrees of education and credentials that they have, which they need to have or licensure to do what they need to do. So you have nurses, you have, you know, different levels of nurses, you have LPN, you have nurses, aides, LPNs, RNs, you know, RNs with, you know, RNBSN, you have the director of nurses, you have therapists, different types of therapists, the head of therapy, with administrative business office people, you have a whole team, marketing people, maintenance people, housekeeping people, and activities. Activities many times are looked down upon as, yeah, we're doing the real stuff here. We're trained and we really know what we're doing. And you guys are just the beach ball people. You're the bingo people. You're, you're, you sit in a room and just make sure that nothing happens so that the big guns like us, we don't have to come in and clean up the mess, sometimes literally. right? And I would tell my activities people, it's just the opposite. The activities department is the most important department in the facility. And here's why. Every other person in the building, their job is to keep the resident alive. That's their job. Make sure their meds are given. Make sure that they're repositioned. Make sure the toileting schedule is on time so that they don't have to get up and fall at 2 o'clock in the morning on the way to the bathroom. And make sure that they're, they're getting the right therapy. And all in all, they should be alive. Your job, the activities department, is to give them a reason to live. Give them a life worth living. That is what you guys are doing. So in a way, if you don't exist, nobody exists. Now, it's true you can say this to other departments as well. Obviously, if they're not physically doing well or if the therapy is not going the way it should be going, you don't get to the activities department. Well, the, my point was and still is that activities should not be an afterthought. Take the person who has reception and throw them into activities because, you know what, if you can answer the phone, you can throw around the beach ball. It, it has to be something much deeper. So now in the world of adult day centers, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's also a similar school of thought. There are some adult day centers which are child care for seniors. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry for being so crass, but I'm bringing out a point. If, 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 and in child care, you probably have the same thing also. And, you know, thank God I have a number of children I can relate to this as well. Uh, but sometimes people see it. It's a place where you drop them off, do no harm. You know, my, the adult children have a life they need to live or want to live. They have careers. They have vacations. They have what? They just need a break, maybe. So they want a place where they know they've accepted the responsibility to take care of mom, dad, or whoever this person is. They need to know that I have a break every day for four or five, six hours, or you know, with transportation, everything all included. 
for those four hours, I'm off and they're on. What they do there, frankly, I don't care. Do no harm. You know, send them home and they should be okay. And if you do that, and if you have the same bingo playing, again, I have nothing against bingo. Maybe I do, but that's not the point. Um, but if you send them home in one piece and they're still healthy and you did whatever you need to do, that's a success. And there are maybe for some people that, again, maybe that is appropriate in certain environments. I don't know. But what I'm on the same from last conversation, what I was really excited about, and the reason why I want you here today is that I don't know if you're comfortable sharing your age, but you're younger than me. And I'm not that old. At least I, <laughs> I like to think so. And from a very young age, you're taking like really bold steps of, you know, people your age are just thinking sometimes about college. They're getting their first job. They're just getting things off the ground trying to figure out what they want to do and you're like i'm i'm gonna buy a nursing home not a nursing home. i'm gonna buy or start or manage direct get investors together to create an adult day center which is a completely different experience it's a it's a social adult day center now when you're saying social we've had on the show um uh, david grubin from ambassador day center in new jersey where that's a medical adult day center and over there we spoke about the transition of care uh, from a nursing home to a adult, uh, medical adult day center and how through working together with um, strategic partnerships with nursing homes, how that can, how that can elevate the level of care um, dramatically and everybody can gain. And it's not like, oh my gosh, nursing home sending someone out, we may never get them back. No, this is actually a way of maintaining them in the community so that they shouldn't need to go back to the hospital. You might have a direct readmit to the nursing home. That's a different animal. This is and you'll you'll tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I know I'm going off here a little. Do that sometimes. Sorry, <laughs> um, okay. but but what you guys are doing, if I understand correctly, and you can explain in a minute, is you're taking them before they needed they before they fell and they broke a hip, and now they're trying to get back to square one. They're in the community, and they they not only do they their caregiver maybe need a break from care for during the you know main hours of the day. But they also want to have a reason to live. They are no longer being productive in the way that they used to be productive. They're not managing a company either because they cannot, they don't want to, no one wants them around to work anymore. Maybe they retired, but they didn't get that dream house in Florida or wherever they thought they were going to end up. Um, or the cruise that they were saving up for is not handicap accessible. And all these other dreams that many times don't work out. And they want a way to live life to the fullest. Um, and, and and during the day and it's not just a place they want to come and do no harm that's where yeah. you guys come in yeah so uh, a lot of I'll what you talk. said yeah yeah so i'll tell you a little bit so growing up i've always for years I was, I was in nursing homes at least once a week visiting people and there's something that i noticed overall i've been in many nursing homes many hospitals the perspective and i'm not saying it's wrong it's actually it's amazing for where it is, but the way people relate to people in the hospital, people in the nursing home is these people are, they would die. We're doing everything we can so they don't die. So there's like that mm -hmm. beautiful piece, you know, we're doing something beautiful, but in that same way of relating to them, it's, you know, we're taking care of them mm -hmm. until they die. And it's not, you know, what I realized was, wow, the, there are people here, they have 10, 20 years, years to live. And we're babysitting them until they die. There, there's another whole new perspective that we can take, which is, you know, we have people, you know, they've lived a whole life and they are very lonely many times, maybe sitting at home watching TV all day. Maybe they don't even have a TV and no air conditioner. 
and we can, you know, and they just sit on their own or they're sitting outside and we can bring them to a place together where they can make friends. They can, they're in a structured program, maybe something they haven't had. And a lot of people end up in hospitals just because they, you know, no structure, things happen, but there's something structured. There are people that care about them. We're calling them. If they don't show up one day. You know, people come two, three, four, five times a week, right? So even someone that comes twice, mm-hmm. if we don't hear for them in a week, we'll, you know, we'll call them up. We'll make sure that they're all their emergency contact. We want to see how they're doing. We provide like another level of care management that falls kind of falls between the cracks of, you know, not putting out the biggest fire. But if the person needs help, help with something, you know, mm-hmm. we can help them book that appointment that, you know, maybe no one else had the chance to help them book that would help them out, you know, maybe some more preventative care as well. And you know, it's a very personal, social adult daycare is very personal. It's every person, we really get to find out the needs of every person individually, not as a patient. And we'll put out, we'll, we'll triage everyone and put out the biggest fire first, but it's really like seeing what, what, what can we do for each person individually while having one blanket program that is absolutely amazing and for everybody it gets people more involved. Wow. So first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, um, you said the word dying a lot of times when you're talking about nursing homes. And I think this might be what kind of triggered you, um, you know, when you used to go and doing your visits, is that it, it's basically a place where you die and we, tr- we try to delay it to some extent. And on the way to dying, uh, we try to, you know, if bingo is a way to stop thinking about dying for a few minutes, then we'll do that. And then we'll focus on dying again. And now, um, obviously, we're exaggerating yeah. a little bit to bring out a point. Visit- yeah, every few weeks there were always people and, you know, it was always like, oh, they expired. You know, there was always those people that would visit regularly. It was just, you know, that's just how it was on a regular basis. So I guess it was like what kind of is normal in the nursing home industry. We don't, and and it's, that's the, you know, there's not, I don't know if there are any other ways to care for people. You know, there they are, a lot of people do end up dying, but we have the chance to, still relate to someone where we can still relate to them as independent, uh, even though, you know, they do need help at home um, Got it. and support them in that. Right. So really the truth be told, um, everybody is dying, right? Um, yeah. I have never met somebody that never, that lives forever. I've never met anyone over the age of 350. I don't know about you. So for those who are listening or watching and you thought that you're never going to die, I'm sorry to let you know that that is going to happen to everybody. So having said that, we don't live the moment a new baby is born. Wow, we have a new baby. Congratulations. Mazel tov, right? This person is going to die. They are starting to die. Let's put them in a nursing home because they're going to die. And let's just kind of keep them comfortable. We don't do that. Obviously, that doesn't make any sense. So with seniors, many times they're there and it's appropriate. Sometimes someone can fall at home and we always give the broken hip example, but it could be any major medical setback that puts them in the hospital and they have something major to contend with and what we would call short-term rehab. And they need to be in an inpatient, intense therapy, many minutes every single day in order and, and have to manage their medications and there's a nursing component and those people will not be successful at home. In the back in the emergency room, those people should be in a nursing home. Sometimes they're in long-term, you know, LTAC, long-term acute care hospitals or whatever, but they belong there. But then what I think what you're referring to is you have the long-term residents. 
And if you go through every nursing home and you look through the, the long-term residents, these are people who, like you said, are there for sometimes six, seven, 10, even 20 or 20 plus years. And you take a hard look and say, maybe they have a pair. Maybe Medicaid is paying for them. And that's a separate conversation as to who gets paid and who doesn't get paid. But do they really need to be in a nursing home? For those who do, that's the activity, the recreation department within the facility to do everything within their power to make sure that those days, years, months are as meaningful as possible. But do they all need to be there? Just because someone has a serious mental condition, is it possible for them to find a community setting where they can live and then find an enrichment program, uh, adult day social program, and maybe advance to an adult day medical program if and when the time comes Maybe advance to an assisted living if and when the time comes where they can't do the different components within the community. And maybe only then, you know, go to a nursing home if, they, if and when that, that, that that is necessary. But to try to delay each stage as much as possible instead of just putting somebody in a nursing home. And even if sometimes it's inevitable. And sometimes there's, you know, the only caregiver is moving across the world, which happens. And... And now, the, and now there's literally no one to take care of this person, take care of this person. So they're going to go and drop off their parent or whoever it is at a nursing home. And by the way, I've literally seen that happen. Uh, even even as a step up, even as a step up, when people are people live their they've been living independently their whole lives. When they get thrown into a nursing home, the people that are most miserable are people that have never participated in other um, sorts of care. You know, they go straight from 100% independent to fully dependent and you know there, there's there's something to say for the person that had that chance to live at home for another year they had a caregiver at home and then they they participated in social programs by the time they're in, in the nursing home they're already comfortable with caregivers they're comfortable with you know recreation being the center of the day um you know they could bring that positive not just like i'm sorry i can't be part of the world anymore so, I mean, for some people, uh, just to be fair, for, for many yeah. people, especially even the long-term people, the a lot of times living in that community setting for a lot of them are is the absolutely best thing that ever happened to them. And yeah, you have some I, people I, that would be... Okay, so to be clear, I absolutely agree with you that there's a, definitely a huge place for nursing home. I'm talking about that space in between where people that, you know, I'm talking about that space in between where they can mm -hmm. fully take care of themselves and it's inevitable that they will end up in a nursing home is the first step right away, you know, them going to a nursing home. Sometimes that's what ends up happening. But what could be is that if they're living in their part of a community um, outside of a nursing home, sometimes that stage of life becomes longer as well, where they, you know, their fall didn't result in them definitely having to go to a nursing home. So maybe we saw something, you know, we have a lot of people, we have, you know, we're able to notice something is going on and tell them, hey, book it, you know, we just had this the other day, you know, like we told someone go to the hospital, go to the doctor, they went to the hospital two days, they're out, they took care of some infection, but they were just not going to take care of the infection, which could have had them in a bed for months. So and sometimes worse. Yeah. If I find it too late, that could be the end. So let's change gears here for a minute. Not for a minute, but let's change gears here and let's talk about how COVID has uh, affected the, those who come. What, what do you call them? Clients, residents, patients? 
Participants or members? Participants or members. I now remember you. I think you told me that. I like that. Participants or members. So it's almost like an elite club as opposed to a disabled (laughs) invalid that needs help from others. I love that. Yeah. I I was even specific in naming Oasis Adult Day Center instead of Adult Day Care. Even though the service is adult daycare, you know, we don't have to rub it in your face and, you know, you don't have to tell your friends you're going to the daycare. Nice. See, this is like this attention to detail, uh, but it permeates, um, it really permeates everything you, uh, you guys do. I know I mentioned earlier, I had the chance to watch the video on your website and you get, I've watched a lot of senior care uh, videos, but you can see that there's, you can see that it permeates through everything you guys do. But so if someone's, let's say during COVID, so I assume you guys were closed, right? Completely? Yeah. So we closed in the middle of March and well, we actually closed at the beginning of March. And we, so what we've been doing is even though the insurance companies are not reimbursing properly, even the ones that are reimbursing are reimbursing at a minimal rate. Um, and it, it doesn't fit according to the guidelines that we were given. What most adult daycares are doing, and I know that what we're doing specifically is um, we try to implement meals as soon as possible. Even when we couldn't do it, you know, we helped people with 311, you know, setting it up through the city and then transitioned over to us delivering meals to them and providing telehealth. So it's really hard. It's been really it's been a real challenge to get a majority of older people onto Zoom. So for, for us, telehealth has been literally calling people, talking to them on the phone sneaking in about 20 questions about like, you know, do you have any medication? Do you have all your medication for the rest of the week? You know, do you have enough water, toiletries? We just like all sorts of questions to really get a kind of like a a social blood pressure on how people are doing so that we can, you know, help them out with anything that they need in the meantime. Social blood pressure. I love that. (laughs) So what do you do if their blood pressure is low? Um, So we'll start with either helping them out by calling their care, help, you know, telling them, you know, call your care manager, ask for this. This is actually something that you're eligible under your insurance plan. That's, that's the most common type of thing. People, you know, helping them with food has been a big one. At the beginning, it was delivering toilet paper to some people because they literally didn't have any or some water, um, wow. some Clorox wipes, really you know, like there, there, there's the full range of telling someone, you know, go to the doctor to, you know, we have all sides of it. Wow. Wow. So now addition, besides for, I mean, pretty much everything that you're mentioning in your social blood pressure check-in thing um, relates to, a lot of it relates to essentials or it relates to things they need to live, uh, you know, just for regular people or, or medical. What about the social aspect? Is there anything, you know, we know that's been very painful for many people, even even not seniors, just being locked up inside for so long and not engaging in normal social interactions and or sometimes being stuck at home with the one they have a poor relationship with to begin with in some unfortunate cases so for seniors who are living alone i mean this is something that besides for doing what you just mentioned ensuring they have the essentials but it's an extremely lonely existence and as um i saw the, the infographic that you did together with now sourcing um you know the loneliness pandemic this is a real thing that exists pre-covid when people are living by themselves, how has that affected? How have you seen that affecting some of the participants? And, and what, what can you possibly do for that? COVID was the chance for everybody to experience what a regular senior's day-to-day life is. 
Let that sink in. Yeah. Well. Well. So well. So that means on, on a regular day when they're allowed to go outside, well, they can't because maybe they can't walk, maybe they can't drive, and maybe they don't have any place to go. Some of them are embarrassed to invite a friend. A lot of people are even embarrassed to have another neighbor next door into their house because maybe, you know, maybe they couldn't pick up some garbage from the floor. Maybe there's, you know, some medical equipment, you know, who knows? There's, it's, it's very hard. A lot of seniors have been very isolated. Um, and it takes, it, it takes a lot of uh, like self, it takes a lot for a lot of people to be able to leave their homes in the first place. I'm still going back. COVID has been has given us the opportunity to experience what it's like to be a senior every day, to be a senior living at home every day. You know, a senior living in a community-based setting, it's different. There are other challenges there, but loneliness is less of a challenge. It certainly exists because it'll help you can us be... relate. It'll help every, the general everybody. It helped me relate to what you know. After sitting at home, even though I was working and talking on the phone, but you know, not you know being sick in March, talking on the phone and living in my apartment, even after the first week, I, I had like a, wow, this is what, you know, John's daily day is. <laughs> That's what he's been doing. And this is what I'm really here for is to help, you know, help him have a place to come to. It's been like so that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if in the middle of COVID, there was one place, an oasis in the middle of COVID that you were able to go into and that was somehow covid free and like a you know a free zone and you could go in there and just live normally wouldn't people flock to such a place right wouldn't people want to come in there for a distraction from their challenges of daily living and a, a chance to socialize a bit maybe take care of some of their essential needs that's pretty much what such an adult day center is doing um on every day of the week i know that in uh, you know, many states, if not all states, have mandatory dementia training for for care providers to everybody in the nursing home, including the business office manager, everybody, even if you have no direct interaction with the residents. One, I can't remember who it is right now who did this, uh, but one person in one of the facilities where I was managing, they, she would, uh, the dementia training involved putting Vaseline on doorknobs, sitting in a wheelchair, putting on like mittens on your hands so you didn't really have fine motor skills putting some more i think like vaseline or something else on your glasses covering over like parts of your face so you couldn't really sense where you were going you got a list of like i think three four things you needed to accomplish and you know get milk from the grocery uh bring the cup to here and you know it was set up in such a way and the job and the lights were dimmed you know the 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 goal was to sit in the shoes of, I'll put some rocks on the chair, I think, to sit and to literally feel like, what is it to be a resident with a little bit of dementia? Someone who, who it's hard for them to see things for what they are. And it's a very powerful experience. And, you know, the world, in a way, has just experienced that on, on this type of level. Now, l let, me, let me shift gears again to the nursing home space. And maybe more to the financial side of this. So we understand that this is filling a real need. There are seniors that are living COVID every day of the week. Again, uh, not literally. The but meaning with the, of it. Exactly. They're mandatory social distancing or forced social distancing. Um, 
and and this is really this is you know this is an oasis in middle of in middle of their challenged world where you actually pick them up and you bring them there and it's a tremendous opportunity now how do you interact with other um with like with nursing homes with assisted livings with do you ever receive what i'm thinking okay let, let me try to formulate this properly you're probably your typical client your typical participant is high functioning somewhat independent senior someone who is not at all someone completely dependent probably cannot be living at home and coming to your center so when a nursing home is discharging someone back to the community or assisted living um is there does it make sense for them to reach out to the local adult day center to see if it's a fit and does it happen i'm gonna give you three questions here and does it ever happen that you directly refer um a participant to an assisted living or a nursing home because you can see that that might be the next step for them and the third question is who pays for their care and that obviously will affect the first two parts also so again the questions are um do you do you ever if a if another center is discharging someone to the community does it make sense them to, to say you know what be in touch with the local adult day center so that they can follow up with you let's start there okay so first of all yes it definitely makes sense to reach out to local day centers, also to look around at which one would actually be able to fulfill the needs. Um, usually you can tell how great a daycare is by a couple of things, but if for a nursing home, if they reach out to the intake managers or intake coordinators at a social adult daycare, they'll know pretty quickly if the adult daycare will be able to handle them or not. We'll be able oh. to, press. we have, a, um, so I'll go to another one of your questions just for a bit. So we, the only way social daycare, let me rephrase that, not the only way. The primary way social daycares are reimbursed are through managed long-term care plans. So sometimes people, when they come from nurse, many times when people are discharged from nursing homes, those aren't the people that are already enrolled in managed long-term care plans. They're people that were in the hospital and then they went to a nursing home and they had a certain amount of days and then they're going back home. So those people might not even be eligible for social daycare as is, and we would have to support them in becoming eligible, which can take some time. So they would have to have the person that holds their hand through that process is the intake coordinator in general. So I know it's kind of backwards, but it's really, you know, you call up and you can find out very quickly if they'll be able to help them in every way that they need so that they can end up attending social daycare. The intake coordinator you're talking about from the adult day center? Yeah. Okay, so somebody falls, they go to the hospital, they go to a nursing home, they have, let's say, Medicaid, Medicare, which is, I'm sure, pretty common. So yeah. they're 71 years old, uh, first major hospitalization since they're a senior, they're discharged back to the community. Now, the nursing, nobody wants that person ending back up in the hospital. Not the senior, obviously, not their family, not the nursing home, not the hospital. Everyone's penalized differently. But it's in everyone's best interest that they stay home as long as possible. So if I am the social worker who's planning the discharge for this resident going back to the community, and I say, you know what, there's a great adult day center. If you would arrange to go there, that would be amazing. So right away, the first thing is going to be, well, we can't afford it. So what, what would be their next step to get that? Is this? Do they pay for this? Is it, does Medicare have any coverage? How does that work? 
Okay, so we don't have any coverage from Medicare. Um, though, so if someone has Medicare Medicaid, they can be eligible for MLTC insurance plan through um, if they, there are certain conditions, eligibility requirements. So one of them being that the person needs help with at least two ADLs for 120 days plus. So it's not just a temporary thing. It's something that like they need over a long period of time. So we can we can't help them enroll directly, but we can make sure that they're fully taken care of and end up being enrolled and, and receive home care as well. You know, we can help introduce to all the services and make sure that they're able to receive all of it. Got it. Do they um, do they pay for the service for this no. coverage? Medicaid pays for MLTC insurance. Oh, okay. So anyone who has Medicaid can qualify for this insurance as well. Okay, so that's a big piece. Um, yep. as, as long as they can show that they need help with two ADLs for 120 days. So that means and that... Essentially, it, if someone has a mental or physical disability, 21 years or older, and they need help with at least two ADLs, it's going to go up to three at some point um, for 120 days or more. Now, one more thing is that... Uh, never mind. Fine. But the point is that, so does that mean if someone is discharged from a nursing home, they have to wait at least three months until they're, until they can qualify? Or they, they don't have to back? wait. They can get, they can get it. They can have an assessment done pretty soon thereafter or sometimes. Yeah. They don't, they don't need to wait that time. They need to be assessed that they will need that amount of care. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So interesting. Is this a New York program? Or is this a general Medicaid other states? You may not know this because I know you work in New York. I know New Jersey works differently. Um, this The way it is is specifically in New York. Got it. Yeah. But So the point is, for anyone listening in any place, it doesn't matter what state you're in, uh, but me, there is a benefit that, that Medicaid has for sure in New York that, and that covers this type of community-based care. And this, so this is important. I'm bringing this to my world and to some of our listeners' world, that if you're a nursing home discharge planner or you're by those, those Medicare meetings and you're saying, okay, this person has 20 days left, where are we sending them? Where are we sending them? There is Medicaid, but you know, do we need that? Does this person really need to be here? Can they be better serviced in the community? And you always have that conflict of interest between money to the nursing home and what's best for the resident. Uh, just to say it the way it is, but assuming we always do what's best for the resident. So now when we send them to the community, we want to make sure that it's a safe discharge. So we might do a home eval and we'll send a therapist out there and make some recommendations of changes to the home now that the new situation is what it is. But additionally, when you talk about services, usually we talk about home care companies. I'm, I'm just saying from experience, usually we talk about sure. home care companies that are going to come in. They're going to provide some, some um, critical or essential uh, nursing care, sometimes even therapy care. But now let's say that why can't we arrange that service to be done not during the hours of, you know, when, when they're going out to the daycare or maybe they only need that twice a week. So maybe during some of the other yeah, hours. So I guess this is the more controversial part of the conversation that a lot of people will definitely have something to say about it. At the end yeah. of the day, not COVID specific in general, we share the same resources, home care and daycare. So okay. when you go to a home care agency, now they receive so you can't more, do I'll just say the way it short. is, they receive more hours if the person is not going to daycare in general. They receive more 
amount of care that they can provide if the person's not going to daycare. So there isn't really a reason for them in a business sense for them to, or, I mean, I think that there is because I think that it increases the longevity of a client if they're also attending daycare, but in the immediate moment for them to request daycare is them saying, I want less business when that person didn't even request it. So when we talk to someone, we make sure that they ask that they ask for social daycare during their evaluation, because if not, they're not going to receive it. So it's not really something that's brought okay, up. Something it. That has to be requested. So I understand. So a home care company, if they're going to send, if their clients are going to go out to a, an adult day center, they're going to get less money. They're going to get, they're going to be allowed to see them less frequently, which means less reimbursement. But from the client standpoint, if they're interested in doing that, which many times it could make sense, that you know what, let's let's have less uh, home care, a more adult day center care, or if you don't want to say the word care, but the point is by you know spreading it out, the client wants the participant, the member, the patient, the resident, the human being wants obviously what's best for them, and uh, in some sense, every provider also wants that because otherwise they would be doing something else, which doesn't. Um, potentially harm human beings and so everyone really uh, i would like to believe that all the providers for the most part also want what's best for the resident but if you can legitimately say that home care is fine then the home care company is probably not going this is cool i would love to get you and a home care person on um but so uh, the home care company is not going to bring up uh, the option of adult day care if it's not necessarily can't prove that it, it has to happen and uh, home care will do a great job regardless. So, you know, why rock the boat? It's almost like a nursing home sending to an assisted living, which is also a, a challenge. Could this person do fine in assisted living? Maybe. But if they have private funds, we want them here. Now, they don't say that, but that's true. And a lot of times, now, a lot of times people in assisted living is the other way too. I, I know the, you know, the first time I professionally um, visited an assisted living, I saw the condition of the residents there i said the building is great but i would be petrified to leave my loved one there because some of them look so frail and the services that exist are almost in a nursing home are almost non-existent you know nursing home was like a hospital compared to an assisted living the nursing and nursing homes today are the community hospitals of yesterday they really are hospitals. there's almost not you know the surgeries but there's almost you know they can do quite a bit so my point is that it, it's difficult for a nursing home to voluntarily um, especially when it's gray. In other words, when the right thing to do is clear, it's black and white, uh, or even not black and white, but close to it, then of course they're gonna, everyone's going to do the right thing. So that's, that's interesting. So it's a balance. So residents out there who are listening, um, but, um, or adult children of, of participants, members of seniors. So it's important to know that, that this can be a real opportunity. Uh, Israel, I'm just looking at the time now. I didn't realize how late it went. Um, let's try to wrap up. So we, we, I know that you are the, the owner and director of Oasis Adult Day Center in Brooklyn, New York. So obviously if anyone's looking for an adult daycare in adult daycare, I guess is how you call it, um, in your area, for sure, they should look you up. Where's the best place for, to send people to learn more about you and about your company? Actually, uh, fine. Tell me that and I have a follow-up question. They could go on our website we have an amazing infographic, which is basically months of all the fine aspects of what we want to accomplish and where the largest impact can be in so the social care for people. 
um, is put into one beautiful infographic done by now sourcing and we have that on our website as well as we have a video of just we have a lot of information on our website about what we do right the video that, that we spoke about earlier um let me get yeah. to the question and we'll end off with this question for you is where do you see yourself going professionally you're in the beginning of your career you're very passionate about what you do you're not scared to take ridiculous risks and do things that are crazy. I, we didn't talk about this enough now because we spoke too much on the phone beforehand, but you really, you literally created this building from the ground up. Um, and it's, 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 um, it's astounding, frankly, what you've already done. Where do you see this journey going for yourself? It's a very interesting question, especially now during COVID when, you know, it's time to rethink everything. It's really the way the direction that I'm thinking is what sort of solutions it's really like to get better at better and better at dealing with day-to-day -day problems and bigger problems as a team, building my team that we can deal with these problems so that we can take on things that are problems that people thought like that's not possible and take those on. So finding solutions for um, starting with the social determinants of health, but not necessarily staying in that just in general in healthcare, taking healthcare, we have enough technology to run healthcare 100 years forward with the right teams and the right problem-solving skills. So it's here already. We have the technology and we have a huge gap because of the, I'll call it human technology. Um, just the interacting between people, being able to move an idea all the way to something that's here. Just from something that's an idea to something that's here on the ground just takes that much and it's there's so many so much of it that's never been done before and it's so just really doing that bringing things that are just an idea all the way through to reality amazing amazing you you've broadened my dictionary my vocabulary today with social blood pressure human technology um and this is just you know the way that you know you, you're very forward thinker and just the way that you you know you're seeing this is a, a, a somewhat stagnant space and we need fresh blood to kind of shake things up and challenge the norms and seeing where this could really go so israel thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it um i'm really excited that we just met and i think that you're a fantastic person and the world and the senior community specifically is privileged to have someone like you spending your energy here and you know and producing and creating new concepts and services for them and you know i look forward to staying in touch so thank you so much for coming on the nursing home podcast thank you very much Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.